0: Amen. And it is my belief that when the people of the Lord get down to pray, there is something that happens, that somehow God's power is displayed, God's grace is understood and realized as we come together to pray one for all. Let me ask you to take your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4, as we look at verses 23 through 31. Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 31. While it is wonderful for us to be able to gather together and experience worship and pray for one another, it is also incredible that the Scriptures allow us to kind of come back in time a little bit and see how God was working in that day and in that age. As you look at the book of Acts, you literally see what God is doing. Sometimes the book of Acts is referred to as the Acts of the Apostles. Others have labeled it as the Acts of the Holy Spirit. I want you to know that when you enter into this book, you see the very work of God being accomplished by his power. You see the early church as it takes upon this world that is set against it, the early church proclaiming the gospel in power. And Dr. Luke allows us to come back into that history. He allows us to join the narrative as we read through these passages. Before we get to Chapter 4, verse 23, I I need to give you just a little bit of that narrative. I need to set the context for you. Basically, what has happened? The Holy Spirit has come and empowered the people of God in chapter 2. The people of God have responded by being witnesses of Christ Jesus, just as their purpose had been given. The people of God go out. And in chapter 3, Peter and John in particular, as they are going up to the temple... They are going to speak the word of God and God demonstrates his power by healing a lame man, a man who had been lame for over 40 years. God had healed this man and it caused all kinds of disturbance. You could imagine. I mean, the religious leadership, they saw what had happened afterwards. They had heard the words of of Peter and John as they had preached, as they had shared. And they called them before. The Sanhedrin. After leaving them a night in custody, they were ushered before the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin, the royal court of Israel, had questioned, had threatened these individuals. But then they had released them with this idea that they would not go and preach the gospel of Christ anymore. After these events, what happened? Well, they went to church. After they had had all of these Moments they had had the, the great power demonstrated in the healing after they had stood before the Sanhedrin, after they had been released and threatened, they go back to the people of God. And then Dr. Luke allows us to enter into a prayer session, a worship session of that early church. So I want you to think about it this morning as you're reading through these verses. You've heard what's happened You've heard what's occurred. And, and maybe that day you say, you know what? I, I'm just going to go pray. And, and you end up in that worship service. And you're on the very front. No, you're Baptist. You're on the very back row. And Peter and John come in. And this is what takes place. Look in verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own companions And reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Who by the mouth of your servant David have said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determine before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. By stretching out your hand to heal. And that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed. And when they had prayed. The place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. You want to talk about a worship service. That would be talked about for some time to come. As a matter of fact. It would be talked about for at least 2,000 or so years. Because we're still talking about it today. But a worship service that experienced the power of God. Because the people of God came to him in prayer. I want you to note this. They come back together. And again, I, I believe when you see this picture. It is not just the apostles. This is the church. This is. These are. Brothers and sisters in Christ who are coming together to hear the news about Peter and John, what God has done, and then they come to God in prayer. Notice the church prayed together in praise. The church prayed together. They lifted their voice to God. Well, that shouldn't have been out of the ordinary. That should have been the natural experience for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you look at the church in the New Testament, the church in the book of Acts... When they came together, they prayed. They just prayed. As a matter of fact, if you look at chapter 1 and chapter 2, you will see the church of Jesus Christ praying in the book of Acts. They were praying as they were waiting in Jerusalem. The Scripture says that they gathered together. After Jesus ascended, they gathered together and they were praying together. Certainly, they were anticipating, they were awaiting the promise that Jesus had given, the promise of the Holy Spirit. And then after the Holy Spirit came, that great summary statement in chapter 2, it says that as they were gathering together, that they were praying in one accord. So I know this can go without saying, but I think I got to say it anyway. You know I'm a preacher, all right? When the people of God come together, we need to pray together. We need to lift our voice to Him. We need to understand that, yes, God is interested in our personal prayers. God is interested in us expressing our private hearts to Him. And I hope and pray you've done that this week. You shouldn't just pray at church. You should pray when God gives you that opportunity throughout your daily experience. You should pray without ceasing in some way as having this attitude of prayer about you always... But when the people of God come together, we need to recognize that it's not just about our personal prayer life. It is about the corporate prayer life. It is about the church itself. Remember, Jesus, as he had given that great model prayer, he had said, Our Father which which art in heaven. Our Father. In other words, it's just not my Father. It's all of us in this collective experience of faith. All of us are able to come together recognizing That we are a part of a body of Christ. So we belong to this corporate body. And we're able to cry out. And we're able to pray together. The church ought to be known as a place of prayer. Here, this early church, they come together. They hear the report. They pray. The church ought to be known as a place of prayer. Jesus. Remember that day he got mad? Some of you. The day Jesus got mad. Some of you are just now tuning in. Okay. The day Jesus got mad. Remember, he comes in, he overturns those tables, those money changers that that are there. Sometimes I get asked that on Wednesday night. If you ever come on Wednesday night, you come to family night supper, you have some of these guys that are sitting there taking your money when you come in. And they always ask me, are these money changers? I told somebody this last Wednesday night, it depends on who's sitting there. You know, I'm going to tell you. There are a few of them back there that I probably would, but I digress. i get back now, okay? Jesus got mad that day because what did he say? He said, my house is to be a house of prayer. And what have they done? They had made it everything else. They had made it this commercial kind of market. And can you imagine... What it must have been like to try to pray in the temple? I mean, can you imagine? They're selling cows over here and they're selling goats over there and they're selling sheep and they're selling all these pigeons and doves and all of this. I mean, can you imagine what it must have been like to pray? Obviously not. So let me try to illustrate it. I wasn't going to do this this morning. I was going to spare you this. I was going to give you this later in another message, but obviously I need to connect with you a little better. Maybe those of you in the gathering, you can participate, okay, as well in this. Let's say to those of you on my left, okay, in the sanctuary here, you're kind of on the risers there. Let's just say the left side of the room in the gathering. I want you to do this for me, okay? I want you to say, moo. Thank you. You laughed, but then you did it. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Those of you over here, like the next section, just whatever section you think you're in, or whatever the heart tells you, you just do this morning. Let's, let's say, let's say this section right over here. Let, let's, um, I don't know. Let's put the do the sheep and the goats. They make the same kind of sound. Ba, basically, something like that. Kinda. Let's just go with it. Say ba for me this morning. Ty, you can do better than that, bro. Bah. There you go. There. <laughs> and those of you on this side, again, in the gathering, you're just going to have to work with me, all right? Those of you on the right side, uh, my right side, I want you just to chirp for just a moment, all right? Chirp, chirp, chirp. Put them all together. Put them all together. Moo, where's my moo? Bah. Chirp. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'd have a hard time praying right now. <laughs> I would. So it wasn't just the commercial merchandise and market. You think about this. You come into the temple, the place that's supposed to be the... Well, you talk to God as a corporate body, and all you've got is all of these other sounds going on. You've got all these other things happening. Jesus comes in, and he looks at this, and he says, My house should be a house of prayer. What you have done is mock the Father's name. What you have done is exchanged the purpose of this temple and you have given it to unrighteousness. I'm going to say to you that the place of God, when He comes among His people, it, we find His place in prayer. And we need to prioritize prayer when we come together. The church prayed together. Ian e. Bounds said, any church that calls itself the house of God but fails to magnify and teach the great lesson of prayer should change its teaching to conform to the divine pattern or it should change the name of its building to something other than a church. We ought to be people who come here to call on the name of God. And we do it corporately together. Notice the scripture says that they came together to pray. And when they came together, they spoke with one accord. They raised their voice to God with one accord. They were unified. Now, God has preserved this prayer for us. I do not believe it was a prayer recited by everybody in the room at the moment. And at the time, I don't think it was. When it speaks here about being in one accord, what I think it means is that these individuals were in one spirit together. They were unified Maybe one individual got up and prayed the prayer, but all hearts and all minds were gathered around to assent, to amen that prayer. That is that all of them were united in this. They were lifting up their hearts and their voices. They were were calling out to God together. There might have been one representative, but these individuals were agreeing in spirit in their lives. Listen. Listen. When somebody comes to pray on behalf of our congregation, it might be as David Ab did here in our blended a moment ago. Ron's going to pray in a few moments. It might be Chris upstairs. It may be any of us. When we come to pray publicly, the people's hearts and lives and minds should turn to that prayer. And there should be agreement. There should be, whether it's a verbal, amen, it may be an inside, amen, but all all I can say is we should be, collectively saying, God, we agree with this. We come before you affirming what this one is saying because our hearts are unified. Dr. Hedrick, I've mentioned him before. He was my counseling professor down at New Orleans Seminary. And I think I've mentioned to you that there was no one else that I've ever met that seemed to have this connection with God through prayer like he did. Now, I'm sure some of you do. Now, trying to offend you at all, But I think I shared with you that when he prayed, it was like things happened instantly. Never seen anything like this. He would come in and again, he would say, hey, what needs do you have today? What's going on? Or what praises do you have today? Tell us a praise. We would begin doing that at the first of the semester. We would share with him what was going on. and I remember it seemed like seminary students always had car problems. It made up a lot of the prayer request. I need a new muffler. I need a new engine. I need a new this. And Dr. Hedrick would stop and he'd say, okay, we're going to pray for this specifically right now before we get started with class. Dr. Hedrick would look at us and he said, hey, those of you who believe that God can answer this and that God will answer in his own way, those of you who believe, you pray with us right now. Now, he didn't mean verbally. He just meant you're going to join us in this prayer. And he said, if you don't believe, don't pray with us. He said, you just kind of, you do your thing for the next few minutes. You think about whatever you want. We only want those people that are really connected and those who would really want to say, we are agreeing in this and we're going to be with this person to pray. And we'd pray. I'm telling you, we would come back in the next week. This guy would offer his praise. When Dr. Hedrick said, anybody got a praise? This guy would come up and say, hey, I got a new engine. I got a check in the mail for this amount. Now, we kind of thought Dr. Hedrick was sending the money through the mail. I didn't know. (laughs) But praise God, it was answered all I knew. And everybody in that class, you, you think I'm kidding. Everybody in that class would say, Dr. Hedrick, would you pray for me today? I need this and I need that. I need an A in this class. Would you pray for me? I mean, it was just like that. But there was something about the way he said that. All of those of you who agree, those, in a sense, what he was saying, those who can lift their voices in one accord right here. I believe God blesses united prayer. I believe God hears the prayers of his people when we unite our hearts together and we cry out to him in one accord. The early church cried out to him in one accord. They were unified together. They prayed And here they were unified specifically. As I look through this, it says that the church prayed together in praise. (laughs) They gave thanks. Notice the prayer. Sovereign Lord, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Who by the mouth of your servant David have said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things and kings of the earth... They, they took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. God, we praise you because, one, you are the sovereign Lord. The original language of that passage means there is nothing outside His control. He is the king. And He is firmly in control. Now, remember what had just happened. Remember that Peter and John had just stood before the Sanhedrin. Peter and John had just been told... Don't you preach in the name of Jesus. Don't you share about this one. Don't you go about this messaging that you're going about. And when they did that, they came back and the first thing they did was praise God because they knew he was in control. Sovereign Lord. You are God. You are our creator. You are the one who created heaven and earth and the sea and everything that we've known. You are the one in charge. And God, you're the sustainer. Yes, you are. Because God, just as you had written many, many years before, just as you had inspired King David to pen these words, you knew what you were going to do through your son, Jesus. And you knew in Psalm 2, when you, when you inspired this text, that one of these days that would be ultimately fulfilled through Herod and Pontius Pilate, the Gentiles, the Jewish leadership, you knew it would be fulfilled through that because you were in charge. And we praise you for that. We praise you. I love that song, We Will Remember. I love it every time I hear it and I sing it because there's something about remembering what God has done for us. And when we come together as a collective people, when we come together as the body of Christ, we should not have to be simply motivated by just worship. We we shouldn't have cheerleaders standing here just to get us motivated for worship or praise. When we recognize what Jesus Christ has done in our life, how He is in control and how He has a purpose for us, it ought to naturally lead us to a place where we praise Him. And our prayers should reflect that. When you hear prayers uttered from this place, you should hear prayers of gratitude. God had saved Peter and John in so many ways. And God had extended his witness, the fulfillment of the scriptures. Now, I don't have much time to flesh this out, but something I've noticed through this series of prayer that I've been working on Something that's kind of blessed me and I've tried to start practicing in my life is praying the Scripture. I've never really been challenged in that before until just recently. And here, notice when they're coming together, they're praying the Scripture. Some would argue that even this idea of His being in control, God who made heaven, earth, and the sea, that even that is a quotation of Psalm 146, 6. Again, when you look at David's words, you have quotations directly from Psalm 2, 1 through 2. They were praying the scripture. Again, I don't have time to flesh it out this morning, but I would encourage you to look at praying the scripture. Jason Walsworth, some time ago when I was working through this and talking about different things, he Recommended a book to me called Praying the Bible by Donald Whitney. Just a small old book. I'm in a small old book sometimes. And I've read it and it challenged me particularly of just praying the word. When I want to praise him, what better word what better words can I find except those words he's he's already given? To praise him, to glorify him. Whitney Quotes Joni erickson Tata, some of you are familiar with her ministry. She said, I have learned to season my prayers with the word of God. It's a way of talking to God in his language, speaking his dialect, using his vernacular, employing his idioms. This is not a matter simply of divine vocabulary, it's a matter of power. When we bring God's word directly into our praying, we are bringing God's power into our praying. Hebrews 4.12 declares, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. God's word is living, and so it infuses our prayers with life and vitality. God's word is also active, injecting energy and power into our prayer. Whitney especially calls us to go back and look at the Psalms, just like the early church did, and pray the Psalms. Bonhoeffer said that the Psalms are given us to this end, that we may learn to pray them in the name of Jesus Christ. You don't know what to pray sometimes? Just pray the Word. You do know what to pray? Maybe you still go to the Word and use it. Use it just to lift it to God as a prayer. Especially, again, if you want to praise Him, take the Word and use those words to praise Him and who He is. Let me move on. The church gathered together and and prayed in praise. The church gathered together as well and prayed together in purpose. Don't miss this. They recognized that God was in control. They praised him for those things. Verse 29, though, it said, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Notice their one purpose. Their one purpose was to give witness, proclamation, to Jesus Christ they got their purpose together I mean they got it straight from Jesus remember when Jesus was ascending or about to ascend into heaven what did he say he said that you're going to be my witnesses you are going to be you're going to be witnesses of me in Jerusalem Judea Samaria to the uttermost parts of the world that's your purpose last words of Jesus encapsulates the purpose so simply and so significantly this is your purpose. They got it. I'm afraid sometimes we in the church we've just forgotten our purpose. Listen, there are a lot of good things out there. I have to remind myself of that. There are a lot of good things that deserve my attention or call for my attention. But there's not enough of me to do all good things. I wish, but there's not. I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough strength. I don't have enough money can't do all good things. So that's the reason I've tried to work in my life. Haven't done too well at it, but I'm still working on it. of trying to do the God things. There's a little difference. Oh, yes, God is good. But listen, he didn't call you to every good thing. He called you to do good work. He did, but he didn't call you to do everything that's out there. And for the church, we're not just another civic club. Now, don't get me wrong, I belong to a civic club and I ain't got a problem with the civic clubs. I think it's great, but that's a different purpose. The purpose of the church is to give witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we come to pray, we need to be praying, God, you help us fulfill your purpose. Notice what they prayed specifically, they prayed for boldness. I don't think I'd ever noticed this until I was studying this passage again this week. They did not pray that God would remove the persecution. They simply prayed that they would be bold despite the persecution. Now, I want you to think about that a moment. Did they believe he had the strength and the power to remove persecution? Yes. They believed he could. Listen, God has all power. He's omnipotent. They recognize that. He's the creator and sustainer. He had all power to remove them from persecution and put them somewhere else. But they prayed according to their understood purpose. And their understood purpose was they were to be witnesses. Yes, in Jerusalem, the place where their Lord had been killed. They knew persecution was going to come because God had allowed it to come already and they knew if they were to speak the name of Jesus that there were going to be those obstacles, barriers, there would be those enemies that would come against them. So they didn't pray, God, take us away from persecution. Rather, they prayed, God, give us boldness. God, give us boldness. I'm going to tell you there are days when I wish that God would just take us away from this world. I do. I pray, even so, come Lord Jesus. Lord, I'm ready. You come on. Let's go. I'm tired of all the stuff I see. I'm tired of all the things that people experience. It breaks my heart. It breaks my life. Lord, I'm just ready for you to come. But God has not removed us from the world. As of yet, he will one day. But he has kept us in the world. And as long as we're in this world, we have a purpose. And that purpose is to be a witness for Christ Jesus. And thus, we need to pray. Yes, because the culture's coming against us. The society is coming against us. We need to pray. God, help us to stand in boldness. Back in verse 13 of this same chapter, the Sanhedrin, the ruling council, they look at Peter and John, and this is what they, what it says about this account. And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, boldness, the same word, In the original language that's used in this prayer. The boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. They marveled. And they realized. They realized that they had been with Jesus. They recognized that there was something about the presence of their Savior that was somehow impacting their life and giving them the strength that they needed to stand in boldness. So when Peter and John comes back and they tell all the church this, listen to the natural response of the church. God, give us that type of boldness. God, we've tasted it already. God, we know what you're doing. Now we want that. Lord, we want more. Listen, God gives us a sense of boldness and strength as we witness. And the more we witness and the more boldness we see as a church and the people, I think we will desire just more and more and more. Of his boldness all of us can be intimidated all of us can be timid but we can be transformed when the power of God gives us a sense of boldness the church prayed together in purpose they knew that they were to give witness and that's what they prayed for the boldness to fulfill their purpose and yes The signs, other things, whatever it took, he said, whatever it took to confirm their witness. Lord, we pray for that. I want you to look at verse 31 as we get ready to close. Because if you notice verse 31, I think you see this truth evident. The church prayed together in power. Okay? Church collectively coming together. They pray together in praise praising Him, worshiping Him for who He is and what He's done. They pray in purpose. Lord, You've heard their threats. You know what they're wanting to do. Give us the boldness to stand. Give us all the necessary resources to declare Your witness. And as they're praying, even as they complete their prayer, they experience the power of God. I love it. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. When I initially planned this message some time ago, I had entitled it Shake This Place. And then I realized I was talking to a bunch of Baptists, and I'd said, ma'am, I'd run off half my congregation that morning, just in the title, probably. What are you talking about shaking this place? The power of God was manifest to this early church simply by the shaking of the place. When the people of God prayed collectively, the power of God was unmistakable. They knew that God had been there. They knew that God had spoken. They knew that God had heard their prayer. There was the shaking of the place. And when we come together in prayer, I think we experience that type of power. Prayer, according to John Piper, prayer is the coupling of primary and secondary causes. It is the splicing of our limp wire to the lightning bolt of heaven itself. The power of God as it is demonstrated in our lives. Now, some people have said that this was a, a second Pentecost because it says that they were filled with the Spirit. I believe that the manifestation of the Spirit was demonstrated and the people experienced a feeling. But let, let me just say to you, in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit came. There was no need for him to come again. He was already alive and present. Look at what happened. I ain't got time this morning. I'd love to be able to flesh out this idea of the filling of the Spirit. Let me just say to you that when you come and accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit sets up residence in you, and you ain't never got to worry about Him leaving you. The Holy Spirit is there. You are the temple of the Holy God. So what does it mean to fill? Well, if you look over to Ephesians 5.18, I'm going to preach on it one day. Y'all going to let me stay around long enough to preach on that one, okay? You're going to keep coming. So I can preach on that one. But to be filled with the Spirit simply meant to be surrendered and submitted to the Spirit of God in such a way that He could use you effectively. Here the people of God were so surrendered and submitted to God that the Holy Spirit gave them a new refreshment, a renewal, a filling to go about their work. They experienced... A new sense of empowerment. Oh, the Holy Spirit's there. Listen, just as I said a moment ago, the Holy Spirit is there in all of us who are believers. But we need some refreshment. We need some renewal. We need, as we surrender and submit ourselves, we need to see that refreshment again in our lives. It comes through the power of surrendered people coming together and praying. Remember what Jesus said as he was speaking about discipline, church discipline, and he he made this statement in Matthew 18, verses 19 through 20. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Certainly it is according to his will and whatever he wants in our lives. Again, we recognize, we surrender, we submit, but listen to what he says. He says that where two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst. Didn't I say a moment ago that the Holy Spirit lives in all of us who are believers? Yes. So in other words, his presence is within me. But there's something dynamic when the two temples or three temples or four temples or a thousand temples come together. All of us come together. There's a special manifestation of his spirit. And as we agree in spirit with one another according to his will and we ask... It is powerful. I say to you, join your brothers and sisters when they're praying. Don't just skip out of Sunday school when they're praying. Pray with them. Join us as we come collectively. Let me say to you, you need a buddy, you need a partner. You find somebody and say, hey, I need to pray with you. I need somebody to pray for me. You you go to them and, and mention this because there's something about the power of praying together. That's what you see here as the place is shaken, as the sp- filling of the Spirit comes. And ultimately, the power was demonstrated in God's answer. So what they asked for? Boldness. Help us fulfill our purpose. What does verse 31 say? And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the Word of God with boldness. That's where they saw the real power. Later on, you'll read verse 33. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Praying together, coming together, seeking his will together. It is amazing to see how his power enables us to go about our purpose. He answers our prayers. I think and I believe that we have to come back. If we're ever going to see the power of God in our churches across this land, we've got to pray. We wonder why we're so anemic because we have put our dependence upon everything else besides God. Our buildings, our budgets, our programs. God is the only one that can give us the power that we need to fulfill our purposes. A.C. Dixon said, When we depend upon organizations, we get what organizations can do. When we depend upon education, we get what education can do. When we depend upon man, we get what man can do. But when we depend upon prayer, we get what God can do. Lord, listen to your children praying. Send your spirit in this place. Let the heavens open. Let your kingdom move. All our faith and hope in our great God. May we be people who pray together. In praise, in purpose, and in power. And may we see his answered prayer work in our lives. Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for this morning, this gathering of believers. I thank you for my brothers and sisters who are here. Whether they're in this sanctuary or they're in the gathering right now, I thank you for them. And Lord, I pray... That you would hear our plea. That you would empower us to be about your business. We would see people saved. We would see those discipled. Lord, help us to be bold witnesses for you. Help us to seek you in all things. God, for the one who is lost, or the two or three men in this group this morning there are people who are lost without you God I pray and my brothers and sisters we agree in prayer this morning we come to you united and Lord we ask you to work in their hearts and work in their lives in such a way that you will drive them to you Lord through your Holy Spirit's conviction so that they might know life and forgiveness bless us now Help us to be obedient during this moment of commitment. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?